saying that he's going to be warned, that, that the Spirit's warning him that there's going to be a cost. But nowhere does it forbid him to go. Nowhere. So it's a, it's a warning and, and, and it's a, a, a foretelling of what was coming. And Paul says, I'm ready. I'm ready to do that because he knew what Christ had done for him on the cross. And then at the end last week, we were talking about Christian friendship. And I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but did any, don't, don't raise your hands. Did any of you this week, any of the old people ask any of the younger people over for today or sometime over the next week? Or did the, old, you know, the younger people ask some older people over to, to develop the relationships that we are to have in the body of Christ? The friendships, we have friendships that to, to practice hospitality, and that's what's having somebody in your home. That's part of, that's not the only thing hospitality is, but that's part of it. We were to show emotions and affections. You know, weep with those that weep and, and rejoice with those that rejoice. Pray together. We do that here on Wednesday night, but that's not the only time of the week you can do it. When, when the older people have the younger people over, and, and you're going to do that, right, older people? Somebody nod their heads, please, please, please. And the younger people are going to have some of the older people over. Come on, nod, yeah, nod heads. Because we need to do it. The body requires it. Remember Hebrews 10? We need to encourage one another. We need to build up one another. That's one of our responsibilities in the body. And then it says, one of the, the, the final point last week in, in, in being given to hospitality and the, the, the requirement, we, if, as we look, let me see real quick, uh, chapter 21, verse 4 in Tyre, verse 7 in Ptolemy, and verses 8 and 10 in Caesarea, and we're going to look at 16, 15 and 16 in just a minute and see that it continues on to Jerusalem. Uh, if you recall, there was a couple times where the the, the, the Members of the church would go down to the ship, and it even talks about the wives and the children going down to the ship to say goodbye to Paul as he went on, and they would kneel in the sand and pray together. That's the encouragement that is lifting and building Paul up so that he could face what he was going to face. We need to encourage one another. We need to build up. We need to pray for one another. We need to discuss important things together. Some of that will be next Sunday at our, at our business meeting. But important decisions. Yeah, young, young folks, do you go to some of the gray heads in the church to, to get advice on, on some life issues? They've been there. They've done that. Some of them are so old, they've done it a couple times. <laughs> it's one of the things Beth and I enjoyed when we came back from overseas in the military. Ten and a half years in Europe, the churches we attended didn't have any gray heads. Because in the military, you get gray hair, you got to retire. Okay? And when we came back to, to uh, the Keweenaw, it was good to see gray heads. Because we knew there was people wiser than us, thank goodness, that we could lean on, that we could be encouraged by. We're going to look in the, next, in the next several chapters of Acts as... as well, in, in chapter 21 here, Paul, it's going to go through a process. Something's going to happen. We're going to talk about it today. Next week, we're going to talk about Paul being seized in the temple. 
verse 22, there's uh, he's going to face five trials between between now and the time he gets to Rome, and one is by this mob that we'll talk about next week, chapter 22. The second one is going to be before the Supreme Jewish Council in Jerusalem, chapter 23. Chapter 24 and 25 both take place, well, and and in chapter 26, three of them take place in Caesarea, one before Felix, one before Festus, and one uh, before Agrippa, King Herod Agrippa, right before he sails off for Rome. And, And Agrippa, you know, spoiler alert, Agrippa quits him, and he wouldn't have had to have been sent to Rome, except that he had appealed to Caesar. So Paul, I think Paul just wanted to wanted the trip to Rome on the on the Roman government's dime, right? Rome was going to pay for it. So then that, the 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 rest of the book is is these trials that that Paul is is having to face and give a defense of the gospel. Then we get to chapter twenty seven is going to be the actual boat trip to and half of twenty eight the boat trip to to Rome. And then the end of, of Acts, the last part of uh, chapter 28 in Romans, Romans will, will tell us about his time in Rome and, and what he was able to do there. <clears throat> Verse 15 and 16. After these days they got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to Nason of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. Uh, the, the term there of long standing, uh, some, some scholars think that that means that he was one of the group that was saved at Pentecost, came to the Lord. He, he's an old timer. He probably had some gray hairs. But he was, he was, he was a, a long timer in the faith by the standards of a lot of the other believers around. But again, he, he has a house... He's, he's opening it to Paul and his companions to put them up. Again, the Christian fellowship, reaching out to, to help a brother, help disciples that, that were in need. And it's one thing that we, we, we can't take too lightly, people. Uh, I know there's, I, I, think it's, I think it's still in existence. I'm, I'm pretty sure it probably is. Um, it was called the Mennonite Way, where you could sign up. It's like, kind of like a bed and breakfast but it's in, in Mennonites' homes all across the country. And they, they don't have a price. You, you leave an offering when you leave in the morning or when, however long you stay and move on. And, and, I, and I think the Amish, we could learn from them. And when they do a barn raising for a young couple that just got married or a house raising, they get together and they build it in a couple days, and, and the young couple has to pay for the materials, but the labor, so you, you, know, you know how... how Important that is to a young couple not to have a mortgage, but they have a house, and almost more importantly, a barn. <laughs> we could learn something from that, folks. We really could. We need to be there for one another. We need to be there to encourage and uplift. And this is just going on here with with Nason of Cyprus. There's thought that he was friends with Barnabas. Remember Barnabas? He was from Cyprus. Because Paul and Barnabas split after the first missionary trip because John Mark was Barnabas's nephew, I think. And they, so Barnabas and John Mark headed to Cyprus uh, at the beginning of the second missionary trip where Paul uh, took some other fellow with him. What was his name? 
Well, I'm not going to tell you. If you don't remember, because I'm not remembering right now. I won't lie to you. It's not coming to me right now. What's that? That sounds right. That sounds right. So Paul and, Paul and Silas went back up through, through Asia, through uh, Lystra and Derby and Iconium, where Timothy was, and they picked Timothy up uh, to go on the trip. But Barnabas and, and John Mark had gone down to Cyprus. Well, do you remember who John Mark's mom was? Her name was Mary, and she had a big house in Jerusalem. Earlier on in Acts, uh, the church met in her house. They were obviously those people from Cyprus, for whatever reason, this family had some money. And they, but, but the important thing was is that they were willing to use it for the ministry. As we get to verse 17, when they had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Okay, now it's thought there's, there's a day between verse 17 and 18, because 18 starts with, and now the following day. So in verse 17, it's believed that that's when Paul gave the gifts to, to the church in Jerusalem from all the, the other churches, Ephesus and Corinth, Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, in uh, Athens, as, as, they, as they went around on their return trip to get to Jerusalem, they believed that this is when the gifts were given. And the, and the gifts were given to uh, encourage the church, to help the poor, and it was a symbol of unity that the Gentile believers were understanding, loving, and supporting the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. So it's, it's, it's not, I mean, that's kind of the tradition in the, in the Jewish writings of history. It's not declared here in, in the scriptures, but it's believed that that's when uh, Paul gave the gifts to the church. Verse 18, and now the following day, Paul went up with us to James, and, and all the elders were present. And after Paul had greeted them, Paul began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they had heard it, they began glorifying God, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed, and they are also zealous for the law. And they have been told about you and your teaching, all the Jews who are among the Gentiles, to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to walk according to the customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. I don't know if you picked up on the nuance of that, but we got a little church controversy brewing here. And what's really interesting is that of the six commentators that I study regularly and read in, in sermon prep, the two oldest written commentaries support my view. The view that I... That, and when I began studying this, to me it was a conundrum, but as I began reading and studying and then focusing on the Word, it became very clear to me, I believe. But then there's three of the newer commentaries that have been written in the last 20 to 25 years who totally go a different route. And the sixth commentary, he was smart. He didn't even address it. <laughs> he wanted nothing doing with it. Didn't even mention it in, in his commentary. Paul comes back to Jerusalem and his ministry has been to the Gentiles. They didn't have the history 
and to some extent, I'll, I'll use this term and please understand what I'm saying, they didn't have the stumbling block that the Jews had of being under the law. So when, he, when, when Paul went to the Gentiles, and we, we know that when every city he went to, he'd go to the synagogue first because he'd try to, try to preach Jesus Christ as Messiah to the Jews so that they would have the truth. And frequently they would kick him out, throw him out, beat him up, and, and out the door, buddy. And, and then he would go to the Gentiles. And the, but the Gentiles was his main focus and reason for his ministry. And so when he went to the Gentiles, he would say, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He died, you're sinners. He died for your sins so that you don't have to die for your sins because you can't other than you would have a spiritual death and be forever separated from God, and that's spiritual death, but no, no death that would redeem you from anything. And so when he, when he was preaching to the to the Jews, before he would go to the Gentiles in the different cities, he would be in the synagogues, he would, he would have to try to get them to understand that they didn't need to live, okay, three things that we say, when, when Christ came and he died for our sins, Christ fulfilled the, Christ fulfilled the law, Christ fulfilled the, the temple, and Christ fulfilled prophecy, that's right. When Christ came, he fulfilled the law, he fulfilled the temple, and he fulfilled prophecy. That middle one, he fulfilled the temple. Remember when he died and he, he breathed his last? That the, the curtain rent from the top to the bottom? And that was to signify, basically, the temple is now null and void. This, that, that temple, that building in Jerusalem, it didn't hold any sway anymore. Because it wasn't just the priests that would go in once a year into the Holy of Holies. We all have access, direct access to God the Father. Through Jesus Christ. Through what Christ did for us. If we confess anything, we need to confess it to God. Not to another human. Because we have direct access. And Paul had to try to get the Jews in these other cities, in their synagogues, to understand that the temple is null and void. That temple that was Jesus Christ, that was beslaughtered for us, rose again in three days, just like he said he would. And the, and the Jews really struggled with that because for so many centuries, they had been dug into their traditions. Now, I know none of us would have any tradition that we'd ever put before God, right? There is, there is a religious group that will put traditions before God's, and, and there's some in our area. And they'll tell you straight up, our traditions are more important than God's Word. What? What? Sorry, to me that just doesn't make any sense. It, it just doesn't. But anyhow, Paul is trying to convince these Jews that Christ is Messiah. To the Gentiles, Christ is the Savior. Some of the Jews believed that Jesus was Messiah, but they still wanted to hang on to their traditions. And, 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 and we have a conflict here. As Paul is coming back to Jerusalem now, 
where it's primarily Jews. James is the only apostle that has remained in Jerusalem. The others have gone on missions trips, have gone to different parts to Samaria, some to Egypt, have gone to different parts to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. James has remained in Jerusalem as the leader of the church there. In, 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 I, I, I say this carefully and not disrespectfully, but to some extent, James dropped the ball because he allowed the He allowed the Jews there to continue in their traditions. They were continuing to offer sacrifices in the temple. Now Paul comes back. And and, and, and as it reads there, verse 21, they've been told about you. That's that's never good. It's never good when somebody starts with that, okay? Uh, (laughs) They've heard about you. Brings back a memory in my mind of a church we were at, and a new pastor came, and the other, the associate pastor said, I told you about them. Okay. They have been told about you that you're teaching all the Jews to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. Again, Paul did not forbid them to not circumcise their children, but they said, this circumcision isn't going to do you any good. It used to do them good because it was an obedience to the law. And that law and their obedience to that law and to God was what justified them. Because they did that because of faith in, 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 Christ, in God. And that was part of the law. And so circumcision at one time was very important to them. But Paul is telling them that's gone away now. And, and, and I'm not sure why it doesn't appear that James quite got to that point with the church in Jerusalem. That they, that they would put Jesus Christ ahead of the temple. That they would understand that his sacrifice was the last sacrifice that ever needed to be, the last blood sacrifice that ever needed to be made. Didn't need to make them anymore. I just, I, it, it makes my skin crawl when I read verse 23. Therefore, do this that we tell you. Here's, here's the scam, buddy. And this is how we're going to run the scam. So that you don't get run out of town by the, the Christian Jews here. Because you're going to tell them not to do the law, not to follow the law. And I haven't been telling them that, says James. I mean, he doesn't come out and say that he hasn't been telling them that, but it's very obvious he hasn't been telling them that. Here he says, got it all figured out. This is how we're going to make it work. This is how it's going to go down. We've got four guys that have come up on a vow. And what, what, they, what they would do is when, when, they would finish, when they would finish a vow in verse 24, they, they would shave their heads and then about a week later, they would, offer, they would come to the temple and offer sacrifices, blood sacrifices. Now, was there anything wrong with taking a Nazarite vow and being, and, and, and being loyal and true to that vow? No. But the problem came when the way you were going to conclude that vow, you're going to offer a blood sacrifice. 
You're going to offer a blood sacrifice. Wait a minute. Paul knows. James knew too. He knew better. But Paul says, I know, and what I've been preaching to the, to the Gentiles is that Jesus Christ was the last blood sacrifice that ever needed to be made. So if he follows through with this, what does that do to his testimony, to all the, all the, all the Gentiles that he preached to? Thank you, Stephen. Up all, all through here in this area. He's, he's over here now in Jerusalem with the fellows in the church. But when word gets back and word tried, they didn't have telegraph and email back then, but word got around pretty quick. What, what's going to happen to all these, all these Gentiles and, and Jews that came to Christ through his witness and his testimony? He told us that we didn't need to do that anymore. Why is he doing it? Kind of brings back that thought about the walk talking and the talk walking. Okay? Your talk talk and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks? It does. And, and the word's going to get back here that Peter's walk ain't matching the talk. What are you doing, Paul? Paul went along with it. He says, okay. That's how we'll calm it, and that's how we'll, we'll appease everybody. We'll make everybody happy here in Jerusalem because we want them to be happy. We don't want to stir the pot. Heaven forbid we tell them the truth. That's, that's, that's why I'm just so disappointed in those other three commentaries that I study and in the, in the, the way they've gone on this. It's just so clear from the Scripture here and what it says. And I've got some some quotes in that that I could read that, well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to read the, I'm only going to read from the two that, that supported my view. <laughs> That's my privilege, right? I'm up here. Matthew Henry says, this was a great weakness and mistake to be so fond of the shadows, the history, when the substance was come. Jesus Christ, to keep their necks under a yoke of bondage when Christ had come to make them free. Now it's been questioned whether James and the elders did well to give Paul this advice and whether he did well to take it, to urge him to encourage them in it by his example seems to have more of an in it of fleshly wisdom than of the grace of God. Surely Paul knew what he had to do better than they could teach him. And, and Henry Ironsides was the preacher at a Moody Church for many years. The law was our child leader until Christ. After Christ has come, we are not under the law. But these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem had not learned this. And that's where I think James fell down on the job. They were still carrying out the various commandments given in connection with Old Testament ritual. When Paul concluded his vow, he didn't bring a sacrifice. Why? Because he knew that one offering Christ had perfected forever that them that are sanctified, and he knew that the sacrifices under the law had no place in the Christian economy. Remember when, when Paul left Corinth and he went over to Ephesians and got his hair cut? Signified the end of his vow? 
But he didn't go and make a blood sacrifice. He, he remained true to the vow that he had made to the Lord. Whatever it was, we're not told what it was. He stayed true to that vow, and when the vow was fulfilled, he had his hair cut. But he didn't do the sacrifices. Because, again, he knew that Jesus Christ was the last blood sacrifice that ever had to be given. Now he's back in Jerusalem. James says, hey, man, we got, we got a situation here. This is getting sticky. Help me figure this out. Because I haven't done my job and taught them the word correctly. It's sticky. Pay, and, and these four individuals evidently were, were not well off financially. Pay, pay the price for them to get their hair cut. And then pay for their offerings a week from now. So that you can show that it's still okay to hang on to the past. Don't do it, Paul. Don't do it. He did it. Okay? Verse 25. And, and, then, and then comes up the old line. If we remember, Acts 15 was the Jerusalem council where they said, well, if... if that the Gentiles don't have to become Jews. We don't have to circumcise them. They don't have to become Jews before they can become Christians. That was the, the final determination from the Jerusalem Council in chapter 15. And, and it's almost a direct quote from there, uh, verse 25. But concerning the Gentiles who have believed me, we wrote, having decided that they should abstain from meat, sacrifice from idols and from blood, and from what is strangled and from fornication. That was the concessions that they made back then which is all true and what they needed to do, but just the way they went about it and the way they said it was like, okay, we'll, we'll appease the Gentiles, but, but to appease the Jews, we're going to make the Gentiles do certain things. We're going to tell them they got to do certain things. It's kind of like you just couldn't let go, could you? Verse 26, Paul took the men and the next day, purifying himself along with them, went into the temple, giving notice of the completion of the days of purification until the sacrifice was offered for each one of them. At the beginning, we'll just read the first part of verse 27, when the seven days were almost over. So that, that we know that that was the period that, that they had to wait. Sometimes, depending on what the vow was, sometimes you might wait two weeks or ten days or, or whatever the vow required. And in this case... Verse 27 tells us that the vow required seven days before the shaving of the head and the offering of the sacrifice. Paul went along with it. Man, God in his wisdom, <laughs> he says, I'm not going to let Paul go and do that sacrifice. Because before Paul could offer that sacrifice, you got to come back next week to hear the rest of the story. Folks, be true to God's word. Be true to God's word. If, if somebody, somebody says something, if I say something, but if somebody says something that makes you go, huh? Huh? That just doesn't sound right. Go to God's word. Go to one another around God's word. That's what the gray heads are for. Hopefully there's some spiritual maturity that came with those gray hairs. Beth and I did our part. We invited an older couple to come with us today. So 
<laughs> I, I'm messing with friends from our Bible college days. I don't even know. We might be older than they are. I'm not sure, but... Be true to God's word. Lean on one another. Pull in from one another. You can even come to the pastor. What a novel idea. And I'll probably tell you, well, I've got to study that some more. <laughs> but if you have questions, we need to depend on God's word. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit opening our spiritual eyes. But we also need to, that, that number four thing under the hospitality and the friendship thing that Paul saw as he, came, uh, as he came through the first 14 verses of chapter 21 was that they discussed important decisions together. We need to, we need to import, uh, discuss God's word together so that we find the truth and we know how to live in it and what to live in it. And, and I'm certainly not one to point the finger at Paul or James. <laughs> but it shows that they were human too. And I, I, I honestly, I, I, again, I'll stick with my, the, the older commentaries. I, I think they really dropped the ball and missed the mark here, whatever other analogy or whatever saying you want to say. They, they didn't do it well right here. But like I said, come back next week and we'll find out where, where it goes. God's, God's hand is at work. We have to stay true to the word. We have to stand firm right here. Right here. Father, thank you for this time together today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, keep us from errors. We, we are not all wise. We are very capable of stumbling. We are very capable of, of not doing it well or finishing well. Father, we ask for your wisdom. Give us faith. Give us understanding that we would do it right in accordance with your will and your word. Thank you for the testimony of these men and what they gave up in their lives to serve you. They considered the cost and, and thought that it was worth it. Help us to be prepared when we need to be, Father. Help us to stand firm in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.